friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. Welcome, welcome. This is Girlfriend It. I'm Patty Lynn Wyatt, and I will be your host today. And we have an exciting show because we have Cynthia Rukti, a speaker and author of more than 30 books. Uh, she does retreats, she uh, does writer conferences and workshops. And in our, our last episode with Cynthia, we were um, sharing the fact that uh, she was on the show a decade ago which is crazy because we're just not that old. So how could we have done this a decade ago? I, I don't know. I don't understand. But you and your girlfriend um, have written a book called The Spouse in the House, which is such a great name. Of course, I think of Dr. Seuss as soon as you, you say spouse in the house. And it's when quality time becomes all the time, a, a guide to making room for, for each other. And this is such a great time to have this book come out because you actually started writing this before the pandemic. And then lo and behold, we really are in a place where we have to figure out how to live happily ever after um, being in each other's space. So tell us, um, as you were, were writing this, and I'm sure, you know, now you're seeing where so many people are having to not only be with the spouse in the house, but the spouse and the mouse and the cat and the dog and the kids <laughs> doing Zoom and the grandkids, and it, it's gotten crazy. So did you add more to your book after this took place, um, or were you pretty much sold on your outline? We did go back in and and add some additional material because we were in the editing phase at that time when this all hit. The book was basically done being written, but during the editing phase, we could go back in and add a few things to make sure everyone felt included because all of a sudden it wasn't just retired people who were dealing with this. It was all of us. And yes, you're right that sometimes what complicated the marriage relationship was that homeschooling was or virtual schooling was happening in the same space too. Or in our case, we, I was actually, I have grandchildren, but a couple of the grandchildren were using our house as their virtual school location because they learned better if there were, was a, pre, a parent present and they were from a single parent household. And the single parent was able to be, uh, as an essential worker, was able to be out in the um, in the workforce during that time. Mm -hmm. So we all of a sudden were not just dealing with we're home all the time together, but oh, there may be two, three, or four other people in the household with us too on any given day or for a long extended period of time with great challenges. Not only the natural fears and anxieties that came with this this time period and the, the uncertainty, so much uncertainty. So that added extra stressors. But then having in our household, young people who maybe were especially vulnerable to those kinds of anxieties and stressors, we wanted to remain a, a bee and remain a house of peace, a place of hope, a place that people, whether it's grandkids or anyone else, could be present in and know that it was a place that they were going to hear peaceful words spoken, 
kindness exhibited uh, even though we are imperfect. And I have to make that clear, Becky, and I want to make it very clear. We're not coming as experts on the subject. We're coming as people who have been learning and are still learning. How do you do this? How do you navigate that? And have been grateful for each other in the tips that have developed in our conversations. Girlfriends can have a powerful influence on our being able to see things from a different perspective. So that's been part of it. Isn't that the truth? Um, A a couple of things you you said there that I, I want to address. First of all, um, not being the expert. It's it's funny because I am a certified mediator, which means I do a lot of conflict resolution. I go into organizations and I consult and I help them kind of unpack some of the craziness. So you get to the point where you can help others in their stress points and their trigger points. And it's easy to, you know, I write all of their stress points and, and what's triggering them on this, you know, wall. And then we kind of uh, unpack it and we see where we can negotiate and what's in it for them. And and we do this like fun mediation. I love it when people go, ah, you know, I didn't realize I was doing that to you. and And yet, you know, you, you, you're considered the expert when you go outside of your home to other places. And especially when you're traveling all over and somebody's, you know, bringing you across the United States to come in and do this. But then in your own home, you sometimes don't take those same tips for the stressors. And there was a time when we just started going with Zoom, you know, more, I, all of a sudden I wasn't traveling. I was at, at home and I, I I think it was Clorox. I was doing the organization Clorox and I had like 900, it was crazy amount of people that were watching this Zoom. And so my Wi-Fi kept going in and out. And you know how you get that blip across your screen that says you're, you know, it's low, baby, it's low. <laughs> and I ran down the hall to my husband and I, I it was that that trigger that I go, turn your turn yours off. You got to get off. You cannot be on right now. I'm <laughs> And the look on his face, you know, I'm, I'm not a yeller. I don't express myself that way. And I, oh, he just looked at me like, what? <laughs> but it's funny how it just, it will hit you and you don't even realize you're responding that way, but everything needs to stop because it's all about me. Like my thing is the most significant. What I'm doing is the most important thing. Everybody needs to put it on pause. And we laugh about it now. But at the time, I thought, I don't know what to do here. I have four more hours. <laughs> so in the, in the middle of helping other people with their struggles with this very thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is so true. It happens a lot. We one of the things that we're, one of the tips really that helped us to move forward as we were tr- starting to navigate, as Becky and I were try- starting to navigate better these waters that are, uh, whether, no matter what has put you together in the same house, no matter what that is, um, one of the things that we had to really stop and think about was our learning styles and our patterns that we hadn't necessarily had to spend a lot of time on. Before, yeah. because it was a few hours at the end of the day that we were together. And by that time, the day was kind of winding down and you're doing all the, the family things and the meal 
prep and then and uh, relaxing in the evening and it didn't matter quite so much as it does when you're together all the time so both of our husbands are named Bill. She has a bill and I have a bill, which was very handy because when we dedicated the book, we dedicated it to, to Bill because that would cover it. But um, as, we're, as we were working through the kinds of things that would wind up in the book eventually, we were realizing, okay, I'm a visual learner and he's an audio learner. So when I was getting irritated because he was trying to read the credit card number off to me while I was typing it, keying it into the computer. And I was being irritated because for me, that meant I had to convert what he was saying to me into a visual picture in my mind mm -hmm. so that I could then put the numbers in. It doesn't mean that I was a, a lesser or less intelligent person than he was. It doesn't mean that he was doing something that that really wasn't helping and he was doing it intentionally. He was genuinely trying to help, but I learned differently. Mm -hmm. So for me to have the card in front of me and read the numbers off and key them in, that works well. But if we didn't talk about it and I just stayed irritated, that wasn't going to help the relationship or build anything. So sometimes learning how, all right, Bill responds much, much better if I write a note to say the roof is leaking in the garage, as opposed to saying, hey, honey, come here, look at this, and, and drag him to it and point it out. He would rather be informed through a note than he would verbally. Yeah. Uh, and once we figured that out, that made a huge change. Can I adjust that without losing anything of my personality or my desires? Absolutely. So I'll adjust that and he'll adjust. Oh, yeah, I get it now. She, Her particular learning style means that what I was trying to do to help isn't really helping. Those are really small examples of thousands of those kinds of applications that we have to make in learning how to navigate all of this. One of the things in our, our household that was an actual pinch point was a physical pinch point. We had 18 inches between the, the stairs going to the second floor of our um, century old farmhouse and the kitchen and my office and the dining room, 18 inches, which isn't to code in any district that I know of at all. But we lived with it that way for decades in our household. As we saw retirement approaching, we realized it not only was it hard for all that time, but we realized that if this were going to be the home that we would remain in for as long as we could, we were going to have to physically make a physical change in the house. And that was hugely involved, but it was something that needed to have been done decades ago. But finally, we had saved enough money. The time was right. We made that change. And now we have open space where we're not clunking into each other anymore. When it was still a problem, my husband had, for whatever reason, started saying, excuse me, my love, when we were both crossing that same 18-inch pinch point. And instead of just being in one another's way, there was a term of endearment that was tacked on to the end of his excuse me. The excuse me was a common courtesy, which we often forget in our yeah. relationships. But then the additional term of endearment turned it into something sweet when it had been a 
constant source of pain for many, many years. Mm. I think everybody, the creativity in us as women can help us see how there are things like that that we're able to apply as a kind of like rearranging the furniture where we might move a footstool over a little bit because we were already always tripping over it. Yes. What can we do relationally to move that footstool over a little bit so we're not tripping over it? Such a good tip. And uh, I know in my house, it's uh, humor. I I want to always include that. And we have to be intentional with it. It's easy just to go through and you can be funny with everybody else. And, you know, and, and as soon as you said, you know, excuse me, my love, I, I would have added a groping thing in there. Because <laughs> I would want to grope him before he groped me. And then I would have been irritated. <laughs> so, you know, it's like whatever you can add there that you can get your giggles in right. and, and have fun. But uh, there was, when you said that about being a visual learner, that was another tip because I don't think we realize that, that those, that's significant. My husband would give me directions on something and, you know, they say only give three bullet points because we, our brain doesn't think past that. Well, my brain doesn't think past one bullet point. Uh, <laughs> if you say, you know, go to the corner and turn right on Ridgecrest and then take a left on Bullamont, I, I'm like, wait, I'm going to the corner? You know, that's that's all I heard. <laughs> but if you would show me or drive me there, it's different. And that's why I love GPS, right? I can't go anywhere and it's kind of dumbed me down for sure. But knowing that because otherwise there were times that I felt what is wrong with me mm. how come I can't understand these simple directions and just knowing that your style your temperament how you learn um, may makes a difference and I also want to go back to when you were saying you know girlfriends matter um, one of the things that I struggled with is that I had some dear friends who I had been doing life with to the point where it was so daily and I, I valued them. I, I realized I, I leaned on them maybe, you know, way too much, but once they had grandkids, this shift took place and they were no longer available because now they're being available for their grandchildren and for their kids to, and that is something that we have to address is the grieving process of as we're going through change and now maybe the spouse is in the house more. So you're not as apt to just chit chat with your girlfriend because now you're, you know, I know for me, I used to run with my girlfriend every morning. Well, now my husband wants to go walks in the morning. So you're having to navigate and you use that word navigate and it, it's really what you're doing. You're navigating relationships. Mm -hmm. To go, what does this look like? And if you're not good with change, uh, just allowing yourself to to hear it from somebody else. It's very therapeutic to go, yes, me too. I, I had to navigate through that or I'm grieving that loss of the friendship. Um, even though there's still that person to go to, you just don't get to do it as often. So it, it's hard because it's easy to feel wounded. You know, how come they're choosing this over me, which is ridiculous, right? Because they're not choosing. It's being forced. <laughs> it's forced family fun that, you know, 
They want to, but they're not saying, oh, I don't care for you anymore. Uh, so so being able to, to get over that, um, you know, and just giving it over to the Lord to go, okay, maybe I was relying a little bit too much over here on this relationship. And that that brings me to the other comment you you said about uh, your spouse. There, um, it was a doctor, actually. I remember there was research on this that um, it's the retired husband syndrome. Have you heard of this? Yes, absolutely. That's insane. And, the, and that women were actually becoming ill because the retired hus- husbands were treating them as if they were still the boss, which makes sense. When you have a dominant husband who is used to telling people what to do, and then they are home now and they're not able to be the boss (laughs) it communication is critical because you're using terms like you need to you need to make sure that the dishes are you know a certain way or you need to turn the cups this direction and on it's like uh hello i don't need to do anything (laughs) or i want that by friday (laughs) (laughs) like a boss would say and part of that is is our coming to understand to what our spouse uh, is no what no longer is part of their life that they actually either appreciated when it was part of their life or that was their responsibility. We see this a lot with military spouses too, mm-hmm. because especially if a military spouse has has been used to being regimented, but the the um, the home that that spouse is coming home to more full time is not a do, a, a domain that requires regimentation. Mm. It's this is not a workplace that you're coming back to. This is our home together. And when we do life then together, truly, rather than that kind of boss mentality or or some people are very happy to lay down the boss mentality and just make the lazy boy their that's where they're going to live for the rest of their life that that may be where they want or they have a highly developed sense of recreation because for so many years they were told when they needed to be at work they were told when they had to eat they were uh, you know, when your lunch break is, they had responsibilities that could not avoid. And then they want to get rid of all of them. They want to distance themselves as much as they can from that, which is also dangerous. That's a dangerous extreme. Any kind of extreme that we go to then is going to is going to uh, force that kind of those, those relational pinch points are going to happen in that kind of a, a situation. The the fact of the matter is that a lot of what we're when relating back to that research about the retired husband syndrome, there's a lot of this that is in a way like preventive medicine. Mm. A lot of our attitude adjustments are kind of like preventive medicine, because if we don't take care of this, let's say high blood pressure, it's eventually going to lead to a stroke. Mm-hmm. If we do the things that are going to help mitigate the, our high blood pressure, even if we're prone to it. Even if we're prone to being just a little too snarky or we're prone to being irritated by this, there are things we can do to mitigate it that are going to prevent a bigger disaster down the road. And so that's part of what we're doing as well in this um, working through the seasons. There are seasons where we might have been able to spend 
uh, an hour or two hours uh, with coffee with her girlfriends. When the pandemic hit, it that was taken away. And we we had a sense of loss. Everybody grieved not being able to be with the people they wanted to be with, no matter whether they were girlfriends or uh, our parents or aging parents or ill parents or whatever that was. Um, and now we're reestablishing habits. Uncertainty hasn't gone away yet. Or the husband is home all the time. And it almost seems like, a, I'm, as you said, I want to get away from you so I can go be with them. And that's never our mindset, but it's what might it might look like. Um, finding ways then of just shifting to a different kind of season and knowing that season is going to have different needs to it, just like the seasons in our weather. Yeah. When fall comes, all of a sudden, I'm no longer wearing sandals every single day. I'm going to have to wear socks and shoes because I live in Wisconsin. I don't grieve. Well, yes, I do. I grieve my leaving my sandals behind. I <laughs> grieve that. But I, I only grieve it long enough to realize this is a new season. Yeah. And summer is going to come back again. You know, there will be another season. And for, for a lot of people, we know we're talking. There are people in the listening audience who are thinking, I, I would love to have a spouse in my way. I don't yeah. have a spouse in a way. I was never married or my spouse left me or my spouse passed away. Yes. And that can be an irritant also of what are you talking about? Just enjoy the man you have because I don't have one. And we're not saying we're not saying we're not thinking of you or listening to you. Definitely. We care that that's a particular uh, need and a, a package of needs that are very unique. And there's much, much sympathy for that. But we are talking about if we do have a, a spouse in the house and that it seems like sometimes there's not enough oxygen for both of us mm -hmm. in, in this building. What are the simple things that we can do that are going to make a difference? And a lot of it does have to do with who am I? Who is he? What do I need? What does he need? What do I think I need and I really don't? What does he think he needs and he really doesn't? And where can we do the give and take that is part of what makes any relationship better? If it's all giving from one side in any relationship, that's an unhealthy relationship. But if there's give and take mm -hmm. and there's adjustment and it's never going to be 50-50, we should be opting for 100-100 instead of a 50-50 arrangement. Even with chores in the house, it's never going to wind up being an, an even Stephen 50-50. If I could erase the term even Stephen from my life forever, I would do that. Because that doesn't make for a healthy relationship. That makes for a, an arrangement or that makes for a business deal as opposed to a, a really thriving, wonderful marriage or friendship or partnership of any kind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you say that the adjustment and the, you know, erasing, erasing the even Stephen, we have a tendency because of that negative narrative that we can play in our head to then let that come out and it comes out as complaining or 
um, nagging, uh, to, to be aware of that, to do that check. And and you said earlier in another episode, you know, what what if we just were, you know, be being kind, taking scripture and <laughs> be kind. And I think when you look at it that way of this is this person that I'm so happy I still have you here and I love you and I adore you. And you look at all the things that you respect and what they do, it it does, it, start, it starts with you and you change the negative narrative and you start listening to yourself. What if you took what you would like to nag about and instead complimented on the other things, even if it is the lazy boy. I love that you you're sitting in your lazy boy and I can come here and snuggle with you and watch a football game. You know what? What? Uh, OK, I'm pushing it on that one. But what would, <laughs> you know, look at some of those things and start appreciating. I think it's transformational when your husband starts feeling appreciated. He starts feeling that respect. And it it's not. You know, sometimes women hear that and they're like, are you kidding me? I am not. Going, you know, it's like, no, I'm not saying, oh, now, you you know, you're the doormat. You have to appreciate and respect him. And I'm saying it's a partnership, like you said, and it it comes back and you're not doing it just to have it reciprocated. You're mm-hmm. doing it truly because you love them and you adore them. And like you said, there are women out there that would give anything to have a husband be in their way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So part of the part of the beauty of all of this is there's an awful lot that it just can be traced back to common courtesy. Mm-hmm. And common courtesy has gone it's like it's antiquated in our culture. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be antiquated in our home. Mm-hmm. We can be we can start this revolution of Homes where we treat each other with common courtesy, with kindness and gentleness, and with stopping for even a few seconds before we retort or before we sigh. Mm. A sigh communicates so much to our mate. And if if that sigh, if they hear that sigh often from us, not the not the oh honey, I love you so much sigh, but the what are you are you in my way again? kind of sigh, if they hear that often enough, it's going to deflate them. And a deflated spouse is not one who can generously give love. Mm. Well, and here, Cynthia, and I I just want to say it truly has been an honor. Um, Like I said, having you on for three episodes, even though we did a a little decade in between there, uh, just to, to see you and to see how uh, you've been able to accomplish so much in in finding and discovering your divine design. Uh, I want to go through some tips here of what we talked about. And the the first one you said, uh, take time and and adjust, readjust to being retired. Express yourself to your your partner. Let them know uh, what what your needs are and be able to communicate that. Um, and, and we are running out of time. So we're going to just go with those tips. But we'll add more uh, on Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. 